And we're back. Welcome to No Direction, the Pathfinder News Reviews and Interviews podcast. I'm Vanessa Hoskins. And I'm Luis Loza. And we're here today to give you a sneak peek, a sneak preview, rather, mm-hmm. of the Knights of Last Wall book from the Lost Omens line. Uh, we're specifically going to look at Chapter 3, the Knights of Last Wall Options, which is where most of the player-facing stuff is, which is super cool. Uh, yeah. Luis, have you heard about this book? What do you know about it? Um, this book just randomly showed up on my computer today. This is the first <laughs> time I'm looking at it. No, that's For- not true. Uh, <laughs> hey, full disclosure, I worked on this book. Uh, I'm I'm a uh, in my day job. I happen to be working as senior developer at, at Paizo, working on the Pathfinder Lost Omens line. So I know quite a bit about this book. I outlined this book and I signed it, and you know I kind of molded it and, and got it ready to go for people to read here in the next coming weeks. So yeah, Aww. I know this book pretty well. Uh, <laughs> also, um, Brian Costello of No Direction fame contributed to this book and a few other people that i'm sure what uh, you've seen around <laughs> these parts uh did a little bit of work here and there so That's yeah awesome. but I, I know quite a bit about this book and figured let's share the good stuff from knights of last wall Ooh. you know would you lore say, is great so but... so you would say really quick you would say that you are a biased person to talk about this book yes which is why we're doing a preview and not a review we're just showing off things we're just talking about them <laughs> and not necessarily saying this is the best book 10 out of 10 give paizo your money buy 10 copies i mean it is the best book and you should buy 10 <laughs> copies um so yeah we're going to talk about chapter three nights of last wall options with i can i just say really quick i love the art that y'all got for this book it mm-hmm. looks beautiful with these two uh two page full spread like mm-hmm. beautiful pieces of art that just really get you in the feeling of being a knight and being like boots on the ground at one of these locations. And it's, it's very cool. I just love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to go into a little bit about how this book got put together before we go into our options. Oh my gosh, because, please do. That would be great. Uh, this book is now second, the second Lost Omens book that is covering a, a, a large organization in the mm-hmm. setting. Uh, the last one was the Pathfinder Society Guide from 2019. Uh, and I think 2019, 2020. I can't remember exactly. It, it was earlier yeah. on. Well, then um, it got it also got delayed. I think with some other stuff. So yeah. there's a lot of weird stuff that happened. <laughs> yeah, um, the schedule. No, it was 2020 when when they came out. That's um, and the book for the Pathfinder Society Guide had a lot of work to do. It had to cover as much of uh, you know we had over 10 years of of, of PFS scenarios and history as well as other stuff that came into the setting that wasn't part of the organized play. And, you know, it had to do a lot of work to also introduce it to a lot of people and give you new options and and cover a lot of stuff and tell you about every lodge and all the cool um, uh, venture captains and the history and all this stuff. Yeah. And that was a great time because I got to work a lot with the organized play team and and bring all that in and and have a really cool book. I think all, all things considered, there's just a lot of history and a lot of, uh, great knowledge. I got to tap Linda Zayas Palmer and I got to tap Mike Sayer and uh, John Compton, you know, people that have been involved with this for many years. Cool. And then I had to cram it all into 128 pages. Great book, had a good time with that. And then the time came, we decided, oh, let's do another organization book. Let's look at the Knights of Last Wall. It's going to line up with Book of the Dead and other stuff mm-hmm. going on pretty well. And suddenly I was so free. I had so much more space <laughs> to work with. <laughs> 
Yeah, because we don't we didn't know that much about the knights, right? Like we knew yeah. that they were a nation uh, near Ustalov, just south of there, and that they were basically trying to do double duty with keeping uh, the Whispering Tyrant locked away. Good job with that, mm-hmm. by the way. And with keeping all the orcs in Belkson, like from invading other lands because they like to maraud uh, something, something stereotypes that are bad. And uh, the Knights of Last Wall are like, we're going to be the last bastion of humanity, keeping the savage world. Fi-. Yeah, OK, sure, fine. But we didn't know much about them yeah. um, other than those like sort of generic things. Like, what's the rest of the country doing? Let's like, what's ha- what's happening here? Yeah. And then they all died. So it doesn't and then matter. They all died. <laughs> so what do you do with an organization that just got completely decimated? You You get to start over, which is great. Uh, cool. You get you get a, a new jumping off point. And that was one of the things we got to do uh, early on in the planning for second edition lore wise setting wise right mm-hmm. the rules were already well into full design towards the play test and stuff there were sure. a lot of decisions that were being made by the time i came on as a developer so cool. we're figuring out player companions and campaign setting books great but also we have to look forward to the future where we get to kind of steer the ship a bit eleanor baron and i my fellow senior developer <laughs> get to steer the ship come up with a brand new book line and, and figure out some of the major changes and that included well we know last wall is going to get blown up but does that mean it's completely wiped off the face of galarian right. maybe not maybe a lot of people survive and that's from the the rubble and the ashes of, of last wall rise the knights of last wall they realize hey sitting on our thumbs just waiting for bad stuff to happen is maybe not the approach we want to take we want to go out there and fight evil and i got to kind of dictate a lot of the ideas of what are the knights up to? What kind of things are they doing uh, early on there? But then really dive deep into them when I was outlining this book and deciding, okay, well, I need to fill 128 pages. And I know here's a lot of the basics that we've established. But when it comes time to ask for like specific NPCs or important sure. quests or, or missions that they're on or part of the history, a lot of that wasn't established. And I got to say, well, maybe you can include an NPC. That's you know, someone that's really good at taming animals and creating new animal companions for people and someone that's you know this or that and like establishing a lot of that and then handing it off to the the authors to work on Mm -hmm. which was great a a good time and also really exciting because it's not something I've had to really do before a lot of the time working as a developer I've take established stuff and expand on it Uh, but a lot of it has quite a bit of prior history here it's we had kind of a nugget of an idea and a, a little bit of information, and this is where we're really getting to flesh it out. So it's been a really fun time watching this come together and, and, and kind of grow because we, we did a little yeah. bit with, of this with the character guide, um, but now we're, we're giving you that full deep dive. So we already have some questions coming in from chat. Chat, of course, is the Twitch chat. Uh, we are live on Twitch on Monday nights uh, at 80, uh, excuse me, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time uh, <laughs> and 6 o'clock Pacific. And our first question is from Lava Bean, who asks uh, a two-part question. Who was left alive from the organization and why aren't they dead? Well, I mean, we don't really give a full explanation as to how everyone survived that did survive. The people <laughs> that are alive are the ones that are mentioned in this book. Just yeah. because people aren't mentioned doesn't necessarily mean they're dead. We just... Sure didn't take the time to shine a spotlight on them and say, here's what they're up to. There's, there's a lot of previous nights um, from last wall and, and other fiction and stuff that could have been featured here, but we also kind of wanted to break some new ground and introduce new people. So yeah. if they're alive, they, you know, there's a lot of gods backing up the Knights of last wall. Maybe they interceded. Uh, they had pretty strong castles. 
Maybe they just got very lucky. Or maybe they were even away from wherever the, the most damage was happening, right? Like, so there's a lot of ways you can explain how they, they survived. And if we feel the need to tell those stories, we definitely will. But we want to kind of keep it open for sure. people to say, I was there right alongside Calibre and Iomade uh, when when she survived and we can tell that story at our table or I can sure. write fiction for for infinite or however you want to handle it. Awesome. Another question from chat is Jaina B asking, is it really last wall anymore now that the wall kind of fell? And I actually have a follow up question, uh, which is that the Knights of Last Wall is the name of the book and how they're referred to. Uh, previously, they were the Knights of Ozum. What can you tell me about this this change in nomenclature? Uh, so the Knights of Ozum had been around for quite a while. And they're the time. ones that they were the ones that were part of the Shining Crusade against Tarbifon and all that. And those knights, I think, were still around in the sense that a lot of those knights and their descendants were the ones that established Last Wall. But when you think about it, the Shining Crusade and all that stuff was over for quite some time. And the, the shift to the vigilance of last wall is a different type of night. You're, you're, you're training for different things. You're out to do different things. You're still going to fight evil and stuff if it rises up, but you're not actively out crusading for that. You're keeping watch. All right. And that I think was already kind of a shift. And by the time last fall becomes the Gravelands, Mm -hmm. you you have another monumental shift. And that's why there's another name change. You decide, all right, well, here's who we were before and here's who we were when we were with last wall and last wall's gone so we have to be different people again and decide our our new future and and what we're looking to do so i think part of it is just like a testimony to show like everyone we are different (laughs) people we're we're not necessarily the knights that were living at last wall we're the knights that's we're what's left of last wall and we've decided to take up arms and go stop the fight and it's just kind of a you know a declaration of, of their mission and intent very cool. Um, I'm going to ask you a question about this book uh, that I often like to. Why this book and why now? Well, like I mentioned earlier, it lined mm-hmm. up pretty well with Book of the Dead. There's a lot of yeah. undead stuff going on. Who do we have that would be into undead? Well, a lot of groups, but maybe we have other groups that are also all about stopping these undead. And that seemed like <laughs> a great time. Um, we also had uh, an unofficial, like we unofficially called our shot with the character guide we mm-hmm. have five featured organizations uh firebrands hell knights knights of last wall pathfinder society and magambia in that book they each get you know i think what six to twelve pages each to, to to discuss them kind of a to show you five different groups that you could join up uh, as players and, and have something that you could do that probably covers the kind of adventures you want to do if you want to be a knight sure. in shining armor go and go to last wall if you want to be just an explorer you can go to the pathfinder side if you want to go around help people or learn magic there's a magambia so on and so forth and after doing the pathfinder society guy we said maybe we could do another one of these books i don't know if we're going to do all five just because some of these uh have prior history the hell knights had a, a whole book in first edition that's sure. still relevant for the most part um but you know, the Knights of Last War were brand new. And we, we wanted to show why they were so different from right. the people that lived at Last Wall. And timing worked out. And I personally was just like, that seems like a fun book. I'd like to do that organization, figure out knights in shining armor and our take as, you know, what path- Pathfinders knights are up to. And I thought yeah. that worked out. And seeing <laughs> as I'm kind of half in charge of the, the book line, no one questioned me. And then we got to, to make that book happen. 
Well, I, I think it's a really cool idea. Uh, being a fantasy staple, uh, you know, knights in shining armor, definitely a thing when you think about uh, medieval or Renaissance style uh, fantasy games. Mm -hmm. And one thing I really like about this, and we'll get into it once we start looking at the options, is that the idea of what it means to be a knight isn't just riding around on a horse in full plate with a lance. Yeah. It's really explored in a lot of different ways. And I think that's that's something that's really refreshing and interesting. Um, and I, I don't know, it's just, I think it's a very, uh, important book, like you said, um, to, to include in the Galarian setting and to give, uh, players who want to play sort of a member of a knightly order that's, well, not a hell knight, uh, you know, but this shining example of goodness and give them a, a place to exist in the world and some fun player options and, uh, and backstory and such to work from. So I'm glad yeah. it exists. Yeah. And I think the that idea is actually put forth very very blatantly with the very <laughs> first sidebar that you see even in the the introduction for the the chapter which is the all classes welcome sidebar and says you don't have to necessarily be a champion or a cleric or a fighter yes. to be a knight of last fall you can be a spellcaster you can be a rogue you can be an investigator right you, there's there's lots yeah. of ways to play as someone who wants to do good yeah. by evil and stop undead yeah, Help all classes people. are welcome. I see that there. And that's fantastic. It's like, yeah, yeah, champion, but also literally anybody else. Um, one of the call outs that I thought was interesting that people might not think about is like a druid. Yeah. And they talk about how druids are actually very important to the knights because the druids can help heal the actual land that has been corrupted by evil and corrupted by undeath and in just uh, the negative energy that permeates everything. And druids are instrumental in reclaiming that uh, for living creatures. So uh katina warlock jokes in, in the chat are all are all archetypes welcome in eyes of the book of the dead because you know there's some archetypes like the right. vampire archetype or the ghost archetype and i will say yes there is even an npc among the knights what? featured in this book who is a vampire oh my goodness that is cool it. so like well that kind of mirrors uh monthly 360's question how funky would it be for a pc from this book being with one of the book of the dead uh both both the ones that like and don't like the undead. So, so yeah, you're saying that it's possible. It's entirely possible. There, there are, there's a lot of explanation in the earlier chapters about, you know, how you join the Knights of Last Fall. And at this point, the Knights aren't going to be very picky. If you can't mount a horse and ride, <laughs> ride around in full plate. Right. That's okay. Cause we need all the help we can get. And, you know, there, there's a lot of explanation as to how you might join up and do something like be a tailor or be mm -hmm. a cook among the Knights of Last Fall and still be considered an important part of the group. <laughs> or you might decide, hey, I, I'm a skeleton that rose up out of the rubble of Last Fall, and I used to be a knight, and I want to keep being a knight. And everyone <laughs> might be like, this is weird, but he's not immediately like attacking us. And so maybe I guess sit down yeah. and figure out what's up with the skeleton and realize, hey, well, you know, Lord, <laughs> Lord Tibia has decided to join the fight. <laughs> Yeah, Lord Tibia. Jane of B in chat came up with that exact idea. So uh, apparently great minds and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, th so. well, that's really cool. Shall we start digging into chapter three and looking at some of these player options? I know people are I just, think so. just dying for it. I flashed our, our first spread already, which has our introduction with all classes welcome, but it also has our backgrounds. Um, yes. And so there's a few in there uh, that you would expect and a couple that I honestly didn't. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell us about some of the backgrounds that you have put in here? So good friend Ryan Costello wrote these backgrounds, really, uh, which oh. is why you end up with uh, 
kind of clever names like once bitten for one mm-hmm. of these background um yeah a lot of these are just kind of your your basic backgrounds that you would find in the core rule book they cover your ability boosts and your skill training and, and a skill feat um sure. but they they give you some of the flavor that that ties into the the nice of last so i mentioned earlier you could be a cook or a tailor and that's what's known as the pillars among the the knights of last law they're the important things kind of holding everything up and you could decide uh-huh. to be a pillar you can contribute uh the to the knights of last fall in ways that aren't just combat or or you know the, the typical adventurer stuff so th- these backgrounds kind of explain maybe how you joined up you don't have to take one of these to be a knight of last fall of course but there's there's just additional flavor that helps lean into that and then of course we get some cool rare backgrounds i think the one that i like most is tyrant with witness which yes you you saw you saw him break free and what it did to last fall what, what he did to last fall when he when he blew it all up and somehow you've developed the ability to cast disrupt undead uh, as a result of that um you just have this power you're like i'm here to stop the undead let's do it what I like about that is it reminds me of first edition and how we took like there was a, an option for clerical powers that just come from you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or even oracle powers as well, where it's like you just you can just channel divine energy because your belief is so strong. And this is really interesting. And in that's like you survived such a harrowing thing, such a terrible event that you are able to tap into the antithesis of that power that that destroyed your, you know, your homeland, your country. Um, and and turn it right back against them. And I think that's a really cool idea for, for a character. And I can understand why it's a rare uh, background considering it gives you, uh, gives you a, a cantrip, an innate cantrip, but still, I just think that's a really neat story to tell. Yeah. <laughs> Lava being says the positive energy needs to go somewhere, right? Sure so if does. you're looking at this from a, a, a balance perspective, you have this surge, this, uh, this, surging like upwelling of, of a negative energy and yeah that positive energy should go somewhere if if it's not being canceled out maybe it's just moving and maybe it infuses you as you escape as one of the few survivors so that's pretty mm-hmm. cool all right um we also have um, what i think it's cool is so instead of new archetypes like we saw in book of the the dead and some other books what we end up with are a lot of extensions of existing archetypes. So the character guide had several different knight archetypes in it, knight vigilant, um, let's see, knight reclaimant, etc. And this adds a lot of um, a lot of new feats for those archetypes. What was the what was the design decision in in adding to existing archetypes? It didn't make sense to just create new archetypes when a lot of the the material we wanted was already covered with the existing archetypes this is a thing we did with the pathfinder society guide is we had the sword mastery for the swords and we had one for the scrolls and one for um i can't remember the third one now <laughs> maybe chad uh, will help us out there, whatever there were three archetypes for <laughs> for the pathfinder society guide we decided it makes a lot more sense to just add to those yeah. and give you extra play thing extra uh toys to play with for those rather than come up with a whole brand new archetype and then decide like oh well i liked night vigilant for this and this but then i'd have to take i don't know the, the mounted archer or whatever yeah and sword spells and scrolls thank you sword um, spells and scrolls, yeah. so the rather than you know take something brand new and then split it all up and then make it harder to play with it just wanted to reward people who were already going into archetypes that, that made a lot of sense so yeah we had the night vigilant night reclaimant in the character guide we had the last wall sentry in the world guide um 
and the other archetypes that existed in, in the APG as well. We'll see in the future, but <laughs> rather than, than it, it just makes a lot more sense to add to them and it gives you instead of reinventing the of, wheel, yeah, instead of reinventing the wheel, and it's also less of a load on players and GMs, I think, to understand, like, oh, this is all part of the same theme, and I don't have to flip through. 20 different archetypes i only have 10 different archetypes to flip through or whatever mm-hmm. um and it also let, lets us you know play with some of the new tech if you will that has come out between uh, the character guide and now you know there's there's new spells there's new abilities there's um skill feats and all this other stuff that that you can now include as, as additional options for for players that didn't exist before now we know how to do that kind of stuff yeah well let's start diving into them uh the first one up is the night vigilant feats and it gives a lot of sort of magic-y, divine abilities for your character. And and one of the things I am excited about is a way to get Lay on Hands without being a champion. So as a 8th level feat, you can get Divine Healing that literally just gives you Lay on Hands and a Focus Pool if you don't have one, which is cool. Yeah. And um, the, the Night Vigilants are kind of tied to the Shining Sentinels, which is one of the two main factions. Mm. Uh, and the Shining Sentinels are kind of like the big armor clad will guard other people very into shields because they can use them to block and defend other people so there's a lot of shield stuff going on here like the phalanx formation um which means that you know you know how to stay out of the way uh, of other people's attacks and, and know how to fight uh, while, while still guarded or the instant armor that you can use to create a, a connection to your armor and just like mm-hmm. summon it at any time whenever you need that which sounds is pretty so fun. cool yeah i want to be in the middle of like a bar brawl where they're like, this is beneath me. I am not getting in, invested in this. And then all of a sudden, like the town gets attacked and they just stand up and their armor is like, whoosh, right onto their body. And as they march out to, to defend the town, because it's a 10th level feat. I imagine that they're not, uh, they're, they're not phased by a bar brawl, but I just love that idea of like, oh, real danger is here. And the armor just appears. Yeah. And I mean, if you want your fantasy Iron Man, uh, Itch scratch then that really does it i think if you want it like uh, in a divine way because otherwise you have an inventor to give it to you in a tech way that's true yeah there, yeah. there are different ways to play <laughs> out your fantasies with pathfinder that's what we offer here now i want to see multiple types of fantasy iron man builds all in the same campaign together as they yeah. all armor up instantly and they're just like <laughs> i mean if, if you think about it uh tony stark has like a million different suits so that's just you know a million different ways to interpret how you play each of the suits should should we start to um should we start to look at these and instead of the batman test of old we start doing the iron man test how was the night vigilant like iron man oh man (laughs) so the batman test is hard enough i think an iron man test is just like yeah that's cruel because i'd have to be (laughs) the one figuring that out (laughs) that's true all right well moving on from that um yeah there's some really cool stuff in here uh they also have some interesting uh, capstone 20th level feats, including tower shield mastery, where mm. you like are so good at using a tower shield, you're constantly quickened and can only use it to take cover behind your tower shield after you have raised it. So it basically gives you that free take cover, which is kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Helping helping out your, your feed stuff. Um, anything else you want to see about the night vigilant before we move yeah, on? Yeah, um, oh, okay. I think... I want to bring attention to the Vigilant Benediction feat, which is basically, hey, you want some spell casting without having to get into spell casting? Here, here's a way to get an innate spell. And if you happen to worship uh, a specific deity, they might give you a, a different type of spell entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
normally you could decide, oh, I want to be able to cast, I don't know, status, and you can do that with whichever god you're worshiping. But if you happen to be worshiping Saren Ray, Saren Ray can grant you the ability to cast Wall of Fire instead, which is just a way to like play a little bit with like the tools and toys that clerics have without having to be a full cleric, which I think is just kind of a, a fun way to express uh you know your, your divine connections you know your religion without having to go full into like oh, i gotta then multi-class into cleric to get all this extra stuff no there's there's ways to do this now um, cool. and then I, I just really like the the keep up the good fight the name of that feat is just you know great yes. flavor um it, it's keep fighting and stuff and i think it's just i don't know sometimes fla- uh, feet names get really really clever and i think this yeah. is one of those fun uh, lead the way is also a really clever one mm-hmm. Um, as you're moving forward, leaving an opening for others to follow. So, yeah, just being able to to give you clever names, I always think is great because it helps you really remember it. It gives you a very good mental picture of what this feat does. So that is really neat. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. So the next one up is the Night Reclaimant, which is the other one that came from the character guide. Yeah. What can, what can you tell us about that one? So Night Reclaimant's tied to the Crimson Reclaimers, the other major faction within the knights of last wall and they're all about going out there and just getting the job done taking the fight to the undead and if they happen to be able to like save people along the way that's great they're the ones that take on like super dangerous missions and just dive in headfirst to stuff mm-hmm. they're like the green berets i guess if you will of, of oh. the um the knights oh, the of last wall they special just special forces special forces go in yeah. and stuff and you kind of have to be uh almost inducted in because to to be a knight reclaimant, you have to swear the Crimson Oath and get power from a mysterious benefactor or benefactors. That doesn't um, sound suspicious at all. And you get cool powers, right? You get oh, you well, get then it must things. be worth it. Some yeah, things, get, <laughs> something, something warlocks in another game. Yeah, okay. You get a lot of cool <laughs> abilities. You know, abilities to cast cool, powerful spells to destroy your enemies and stuff like that. And <laughs> um, yeah, th- there's more of that here. You're, you're all about stealth and reconnaissance, but also like blowing stuff up once you find it <laughs> there's some really cool uh, options in here speaking of of getting cool powers there is a uh, a 12th level feat it's rare which i find interesting because nothing else in this archetype is is even uncommon um other well, the than the archetype itself is already uncommon well so sure everything else is but it's like i this is interesting so it's called for love for lightning and mm-hmm. it gives you a focus spell that you just like plunge your sword into the ground and it shoots lightning at enemies within 30 feet every round until you pull it out, which is so cool. Like just the visual of that, of like, I am creating a no, you cannot pass zone that will shock the heck out of you. And it just keeps going every round for what, up to a minute for up to a minute. So you create this zone of, if you come in here, you might get hurt, which I think is so cool. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. And uh, the reason it's rare is because you kind of have to learn that power from the leader of the Crimson Reclaimers, who is Clarith Iamadar. Oh. Uh, and to earn that, you have to go on a special mission and, and you know help Clarith out, and then she'll teach you how to do this. Because Clarith seems to be much more in tune with the power of the Crimson Oath than anyone else, which some people find suspicious, some people find inspiring, but she's the one that, that can show you how to, how to do this cool lightning power. Put me down for suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> uh- that is pretty cool. Um, also, Gina B says, sounds witchy, Crimson Oath patron? I think that would be a cool thing. We don't have a, uh, any witch patrons in here, but 
the moment you said that, I'm just like, oh, oh my gosh, we should have done that. We should have done that. That's a good idea, that Jamie. <laughs> so that's that's perfect infinite fodder, you know, someone who wants yeah. to go do that. Please, please go do so. Yep, absolutely. That would be very cool to see that. Um, yeah, this is once again with the awesome feet names. We have uh their capstone feet for this archetype is the Tyrant Falls, um, which is a, a let's see, two action and it looks like while well, it's active, you gain the following. You get a ton of benefits. For one minute. You ton get your, of benefits. Yeah. Superpower. You, you turn on overdrive. Yeah, once um, per day. And you just get all these things. <laughs> yeah. And you can cast uh, Invoke the Crimson Oath, which is a spell from the, the character guy, just kind of at will. Uh, you get resistance equal to half your level. You get reach. Um, you get extra 2d6 positive or negative damage, whichever you need. So you just like turn on your your limit break effectively right <laughs> um and a, a fun thing about the name of the the feat is the tyrant falls is the last line of the crimson oath that you recite so you know you're you're like oh. you recite your crimson oath and then you you say the, the tyrant falls you you know hold your sword up and then you become super powered and go to fight whatever it is that needs i guess your limit break or your chance or whatever uh to to take down that is so cool uh, another one in here that I think was worthy of shouting out is Hilt Hammer. It's it's a simple feat, but it makes 100% sense, which is that you can take any melee weapon you're using and it gains the vulner uh, the versatile bashing trait. So it can deal mm -hmm. bashing damage by just like hitting him with that hilt. And I think that is so cool because that is definitely a thing you would want to do. Um, and there's a feat that does it. It's it's 10th level, which seems fairly high, but considering the, the level of the, the archetype, it sort of makes sense that it would be higher in there. Uh, but I just think it's it's handy because Pathfinder 2nd Edition has really embraced needing various damage types to fight different types of foes. So mm -hmm. pretty cool. Lava Being says to the, the Crimson Oath one, something, something, power of gray skull. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. Uh, the next one we have is the last wall sentry feats. So it, it's looking at uh, this is the one from the world guide. Yeah. Yeah. So you might have been someone that was part of last wall or wanted to still like defend the people of the Gravelands, but not necessarily have been uh, a member of the Knights of last wall. We didn't have that right exactly when the world guide came out but mm -hmm. you know there, there's still people who are trained to fight undead and to prepare for this whole situation uh and they still have that training so there, there's a lot of these feats that represent that kind of thing you're really good at like maneuvering around undead and uh, eluding their their grasp and stuff and um so you have things like you can bless your shield to give yourself uh ghost touch at any time that you need because you got to fight ghosts or you have a specific um training with undead that once you like recognize what kind of undead it is that that training kicks in and you, you get bonuses to uh recall knowledge and and things like that so you're, you're always kind of on the know about any undead you you're kind of ready for that and you don't necessarily have to be a knight of last fall to to be a last fall sentry so if you wanted yeah. to expand on this uh and, and keep playing with this without having the character that's a knight of last fall there, there's still options for you and that's what we wanted to to present here and I do like that it definitely calls out that the sentry's abilities are useful in all undead campaigns. So mm -hmm. if you're fighting something in, in Ustalav or down in Geb or something like that, where you're fighting a lot of undead, this is this would be a really good uh, archetype. Um, and because you can grit new archetypes uh, after three feats, or new, new multi-class archetypes, I should say, uh, 
new dedications, this might work well with the undead slayer. I'm not sure the from the Book of the Dead. Yeah, probably that's probably a good combination there. Um, yeah, you can be a very uh, skillful or, or kind of armor focused undead slayer if you don't want to necessarily be the one in the the leather armor with a whip style of of undead hunter. Very cool. Um, any uh, any call out feats or abilities that you want to talk about? Because I'm I, I've got a couple. <laughs> Sure. Um, I'm a big fan uh, of the flashing shield. Um, you can hit someone with your shield and then as a trigger, um, or sorry, you, you block with your shield and as a, okay. a as a trigger, you, you use it as a free action. And suddenly as you block it, it your shield glows with light and the undead takes a bunch of damage. So even in your defensive uh options you're able to keep attacking undead and keep fighting them so there's there's cool ways to do that and sacred armaments is a level six feet it's just any weapon you wield you get ghost touch you're ready for for any ghosts that you run into Mm -hmm. yeah i thought that one was really neat there's a ghost touch option later in this book that i find super intriguing and we will get Mm -hmm. to uh but for now i wanted to talk there's a there's a 10th level feat um that the last wall sentry can get called grave sight which yeah. gives you the ability to sense undead. You get sense undead as an imprecise sense with a range of 60 feet, yeah. which is so cool. Now, because it's imprecise, you just know that they're around. And mm-hmm. that to me is super intriguing as well. If you have like uh, a master undead disguising themselves as a living creature and infiltrating your council or something, you can show up to that council meeting and be like, oh, oh, someone here is undead. Like I've just got, I've just got this feeling, you know, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. I think um, there was a first edition feat that I did. I think did something similar that I used for an undead hunter. I'm like, this is the kind of thing that I think is cool. Just knowing that like chill runs down your spine. Oh, there's something here. I got to go fight it. I got to go take it down. It's mm-hmm, awesome. mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Those, those are fantastic storytelling moments as well. Especially if you like entered the crowded room with the council or something and you're like, well, it could be someone in the crowd could be the council. We don't know. And it just gives your, your player, you know, as a GM, you can give your player a quick heads up that like something is not quite right right now. Like there is undead somewhere near here and there should not be. And it's just like, Oh, interesting. Katsini Horlock says, Oh no, am I undead? (laughs) Dustin. (laughs) Uh, Some other cool things. He has a lot of shield feats, blessed shield, um, things like that. Yeah. If if you want to be a shield specialist, there's a lot of really cool things here. Non-lethal takedown, which I think is useful in a lot of campaigns where, you know, you don't have to just murder everything you attack, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, What's that? I was say that. The, the other one that stands out to me is Thwart Evil, which just as a reaction once per day can just, even if you're not a spellcaster, be able to counterspell uh, a, a spell that an undead is using and, and put a stop to that just because you're so dedicated to putting a stop to undead. Yeah, and you use your religion modifier for counteract, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So if you're like, no, 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 I am super religious, I'm devout, I'm a master of religion, you can just be like, no, and don't do that. You don't have to be a spellcaster, you just... You're very dedicated. Oh, that is so neat. That is so neat. All right. Uh, next, we have other archetypes. I want you to tell me about this because this this threw me for a loop. Like we've seen three different archetypes that are getting more attention and additional feats, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. But then you have other archetypes uh, with badass art, by the way. Cool knight in a wheelchair. Love it. And there's just there's a lot of feats here um, that are are look like for specific 
I'm not even sure. So it lists, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how this worked. And I, I must admit, I skimmed the section because I was like, I'm just going to have Luis explain it to me. Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of archetypes already that kind of fill in the roles for a lot of the stuff you'd be doing as a knight. So there's like an archetype, I don't know, the medic archetype for people who want to go out in the and heal other people. There is the Bastion archetype, which is all about fighting the shields. Um, there's the Cavalier, which seems like a perfect uh, archetype for knights. The Marshal is a perfect archetype for knights. And I thought it didn't make sense to give you a brand new archetype again, when a lot of these are just doing what we need to do already in terms of, uh, of the, the stuff that you'd want as a player. You know, gotcha. you might want to be a Cavalier, you want, might want to be mounted. Cavalier will cover 90% of what you want. You just want an extra little bit to play with as a Knight of Last Wall because all the things you already want to do are already in the APG archetype. Let's gotcha. just give you an extra little bit of flavor. So that's what we did. We took, the bun uh, took a bunch of the APG archetypes that already existed. In this case, Archer, Assassin, Bastion, Cavalier, Herbalist, Marshal, Medic, Scout, and Viking, and gave them an extra feed or two just to give them a, a little bit more uh, of Knight of Last Wall flavor, a very specific uh, bit of... Uh, of uh, rules options and mechanics that only knights of last walls who happens to be a scout or a viking or a medic okay. can do um so the idea being that like the knights of last wall have developed very specific techniques very specific training that they use for their missions and the things they do that any medic could figure out how to do if they joined the knights of last wall gotcha so rather than trying to list and you do in the prerequisites, but rather than trying to list there, you have sort of a little index at the beginning, a little table of contents that says, mm -hmm. by the way, the thing, if you're an archer that you want to look at here is a six level feet staggering fire. Like that's, that's for you. That's what we put in here. Yeah, exactly. Pretty cool. All right. Well, there's a neat spread on that. That's pretty cool. Um, once again, some really cool names, a fourth level feet called Angel of Vindication. If you're an assassin. Mm -hmm. You can assassinate undead. So, you know, you just... <laughs> Take take your weapon and, and add some extra damage to try to put an end to uh, undead. And if it's something like a ghost that can rejuvenate, maybe you're very, very good at killing them. and can kill them once and for all and put an end to them. Without it. Yeah, that is really cool. That is whew, scary assassins. Um, <laughs> there's one called push back the dead, which is probably the opposite of bring out your dead. Like, you know, don't bring yes. it to us. No, push it out. Like, um, which is a one action feat for marshals. Uh, which gives you a bonuses against saves and resistance to damage from uh, undead creatures equal to your charisma. So you're so cool as a marshal that they can't hurt you. Yeah. That I, is cool. I like the preventative treatment for, for the medic where it's just like, you know, you're going to go into a fight with, I don't know, ghouls who have paralysis, right? Oh, um, sure. And you can basically treat people in advance and say, hey, right before we go into this room that's full of ghouls or whatever, I'm going to give you this concoction or, or get you ready in this particular way. You roll basically your, your um, treat condition check in advance to counteract this thing. And that's represented by the, the, this preparation that you've done. And then if that person then get, contracts paralysis or whatever happens, your, your check is already pre-rolled and they're not affected by it because you, you, you did some pre-treatment. Uh, that is that. amazing, by the way. I think that is so cool. Uh, because that happens all the time. Like you mm -hmm. said, fighting ghouls or fighting whatever you're fighting. Like, oh, there's a bunch of zombies in there. You're like, well, let's not become a zombie, you know, or they're going to have filth fever or something. And you can like, you know what, let's just, let's inoculate you against filth fever and inoculate you against, you know, zombie plague or whatever. And like, and you can go in and you can fight them and, and have a little bit of reassurance that you're not just going to immediately fall victim to their terrible diseases and things. It's very cool. 
All right. Any any other ones you want to point out in this list? There's so many that are so cool. Um, the other thing I want to point out is uh, earlier at the beginning, you mentioned the little um, list of all the archetypes. Uh, the yeah. Bastion has a few different feats that aren't listed here because they're mm -hmm. feats that already exist. Um, this is playing with some of the existing tech that I mentioned earlier in the advanced <laughs> player's guide. If you take an archetype, it'll sometimes list some feats that you can also take as an archetype feat right. uh, that already existed and made sense for that. Uh, that class so there's a lot of archery feats for archer that isn't part of the archer archetype right they were technically but they're in fighter ranger, or ranger or something ranger fighter yeah. yeah but you can still take them as an archer and they count towards your dedications and stuff so bastion gets a couple of those because there were a cool. few uh, shield based feats for um, knights of last fall from the character guide mm. that were originally champion and fighter only and now the bastion has access to them so you don't have to necessarily be a champion or uh a fighter to gain access to the Everstand stance or the Everstand strike. Uh, that is awesome. Yeah. So we have a fourth level agile shield grip uh, at, from this very book, uh, the Everstand stance, like you mentioned from the character guide. Uh, and at sixth level, you can get the Everstand strike also from the character guide and at eighth level drive back, which is in this section. Mm -hmm. very cool. of, if you're a bastion, you, you get a lot <laughs> to play with at this point. Very nice. Lots of bastion love. Uh, the next session sort of works the same. So it's just mm -hmm. called Nightly Training. Um, and is that is that a dwarven half-orc? It looks like a dwarven half-orc, that art. I think that it's just the color of the light and stuff. Oh, um, okay. I, at least I, when I when I ordered <laughs> that piece, it was just a dwarf uh, uh, priest of Shellen, So I choose to believe that it's a dwarven half-orc. I choose I like... to, to support you in your beliefs. <laughs> I like uncoupling uh, half-orc and half-elf from human-only ancestry. I just think it's very cool to have these different combinations of peoples that may have had offspring. Uh, so the nightly training um, has a lot of things for specific uh, or for multiple specific classes, which I thought was cool. And it's done in a slightly different way. It's organized a little differently. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, much like with the um, other archetype section, there's just a lot of possibilities that you are already a wizard or a druid or um, a, who knows, a fighter, a champion maybe, uh, that right. <laughs> wants to be a knight of last wall, but isn't necessarily taking some of these other archetypes. You're not necessarily knight vigilant or a medic or a cavalier, but you might still want some cool stuff. And we we put forth that, yeah, the knights of last wall are always training, finding new ways to fight, um, like developing the agile sh shield grip uh, and things like that. And these feats are meant to cover most of the existing classes. I don't think we get all of them exactly, but you, you, a lot of the basics are covered here. So you, new champion feats, new fighter feats, new cleric feats, bards, wizards, witches. Um, so if you're a spellcaster who's in the, in the Knights Last Wall, you have new techniques that you develop to fight undead mm -hmm. or, or, or evil using your spells. There's, there's new ways to use your shield, new ways to use your armor, new ways to use your, uh, your cantrips and, and all, all the other stuff that you would normally do to be more of a Knight of Last Wall rather than just <laughs> a generic fighter, generic wizard. Right. Um, yeah, one of them, and, and like you say, there's a lot for everyone. There's a lot of champion and fighter feats in here, but mm -hmm. there are also things like stuff for bards, stuff for clerics, obviously. And one that I thought was really neat is stuff for sorcerers and witches, um, which you have to have a familiar, which witches do, but sorcerers don't always. And you have to follow a good aligned deity. And then your familiar becomes like this divine emissary and it gives them some special powers. That's pretty cool. 
You can be like a, a divine casting sorcerer with, I don't know, angel blood or something. And you're like, no, no, I meant to do this. And I have this, this messenger from my God telling me, you know, and guiding me and helping me figure out my path. And that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, one I really like, it's another uh, spellcaster feat. It's detonating spell, which looks like you can be a cleric or an oracle or a sorcerer or a witch or a wizard. Any <laughs> of those classes. Can Any of them. That. But the idea being that, you know, sometimes you get masses of undead. Um, you know, whole bunch of zombies, and you want to cast a spell into the the group, but hit a lot of them at once. This is a meta magic uh, spell or mm. meta magic feat. You cast detonating spell, and if it succeeds and deals damage to the, the target you're hitting, if you hit someone with an acid arrow, it can then blow up and do a bunch of splash damage to everyone around it too. So oh, okay. This is yeah. how you hit hit a bunch of people with uh, I don't know a, a it's two action heal spell to hit one undead that then does a bunch of positive damage to everyone at once oh that is very cool especially because a lot of encounter design you have like the one bigger stronger one and then a bunch of weaker ones so you can like i'm going to target the big strong one with my two action heal and then still splash damage all these like weaker i don't know zombies or skeletons or something around them yeah that is very cool it's a six level feat too so you don't have to wait too long to get it yeah and again because it's just available for these classes you don't have to be a member of the or you don't have to take any of the other archetypes you can just be like oh i'm six level i'm a knight of last fall let's take a detonating spell and, and do cool stuff with it that is so cool um there's once again the the names of things comes to mind how so many of them are just very cool uh devoted guardian is cool reliable squire helps you with aid checks so you can no longer critically fail them and make things worse um, if you, if you, not only do you get a plus two circumstance bonus to aid, if you roll a critical failure, you get a failure instead. So it inoculates you against making things worse. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, geez, just so many of these are so cool. Chemical purification. Ooh. Yep. Uh, once per round as a free action, you can do stuff. Tell me about chemical purification. Uh, so it's an additive for alchemists. Cool. And so you apply it to alchemist fire or, or, or a ghost charge from the APG. It's a different type of bomb. Basically Ooh. you infuse your, your, your bomb with purifying power and it deals positive <laughs> damage in addition to the normal damage. So that's another way you can take out a huge crowd of zombies all at once, hit them with a bomb that blows up with a bunch of extra positive damage. That sounds so awesome. Like when I think about playing in like an undead slaying campaign or something, you know, and being, oh, I'm a knight of last. Well, being an alchemist isn't the first thing I think of. Like you mm -hmm. might be one of those pillars, like you were talking about creating medicines and, and things and, you know, uh, other sorts of weapons and things for, uh, for your knights that you support. But the idea of being like, oh, and now I'm in battle and have to figure this out. Uh, I know purifying power to these bombs. Yeah. Gina B in chat says purified Tinglefoot bag. Oh, I <laughs> it doesn't <wish>. do damage. <laughs> Would that even work? So uh, another thing I want to point <laughs> out in this section is the, the different sidebars. Normally, if you read the sidebars up to this point, they just tell you, oh, here's some good classes that might be a Knight Vigilant, Knight Reclaimant, so on and so forth. But we recognize that people are playing the game in different ways. So mm -hmm. there's a, these sidebars are a lot of little suggestions about different um, play styles and different um, subsystems and, and stuff that you can play with. So the very first one says, hey, there's a level zero character rule variant in the game mastery guide. Here's some ways that you might play out that story. You might be 
the squires joining up for the first time or oh. even the, the super cool <laughs> uh, metroid style idea that you were great heroes but you got life drained by a ghost or a vampire and now you're back to level zero and trying to recover your power to go take the fight to, mm -hmm. to your enemies there's how to use relics from that if you want to go into dual classing or um, maybe even um, make it grittier using stamina there, there's a lot of different ways you can handle it um, the archetype i think the the other archetype section also mentions free archetype if you're into that here's some good archetypes that might work for that uh if you're if you're looking to do free archetypes so th there's lots of some suggestions on, on how to play with all of those if you're if you're into that yeah i am definitely into that there are so many neat things in here <laughs> uh purifying breeze uh i could use that because my office shares the cat box wait that's not what this does <laughs> um you transfer the divine essence of your magic to the air around you cleansing it of toxins oh that is what it does actually yeah no hey where's my cat we need purifying <laughs> breeze cat i need to get to level 14 uh attempt a counteract check against each airborne disease or poison in a 15 foot radius regardless of your success or failure everyone gets a bonus this is so cool that is i don't know that's pretty cool especially because there's that like gust of wind cantrip or something that also mm -hmm. works so you could well, non-cantrip spell i guess that wouldn't work with the healing trait oh okay well that's still cool so you heal some of the two action heal and also it's like poof there is cleaner yeah oh you, my you could you could um throw a a <laughs> one you could touch someone with a one action a detonating spell and then so first action would be detonating spell meta magic one action what? touch heal to hurt an undead and that blows up and then you create a purifying breeze around you as a result oh my goodness kitsune warlock our own dustin knight asks well first says opens air freshener at table i'm shaking my head at you sir i'm shaking my head and also will it purify confunk hmm. i think that's a legitimate question it depends on the level of the confunk it's true right? Roll... it's a tough counteract check <laughs> tough counteract check i mean you you could try but Really depends. Which day of the con are you asking about? Because if it's the last <laughs> one, no, you cannot. <laughs> uh, Shen Wolf says twentieth level con funk. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. Good luck. Good luck. Oh, that is so cool. There's a lot of really fun stuff in here. Um, consecrate spell. Infuse a spell with the power of your faith. Consecrating it. The next action targets a single undead. You can expend a focus point. Oh, this is cool. Um, and it does additional good or positive damage. Equals level your focus spells. That's really cool. So you can just like infuse stuff. If you have fo focus spells that are like utilitarian and you really need that burst of damage against some undead menace, uh, this is a way to actually still use that power to do cool stuff. It's really neat. Shanwolf is asking if most of this stuff deals with good and positive, or is it just positive or just good? I think a lot of it is um, positive. Some of it is good. And then there's, there's like a small overlap where it's good and positive mm -hmm. um so i think you should be able to uh trim down to just the good ones you need if you're fighting demons i'm also going to point out rule zero exists so if you're running a game where your pcs are fighting a bunch of demons mm -hmm. like sean wolf and you're like you know what these are very cool but i don't want you to consecrate and do positive because that doesn't help against demons let's just make it good damage and it's like cool yeah so as a gm yeah, you can you can just say, sure, for you, this spell works different and it only does good damage. Oh, okay. or, or the other thing I was going to say mm -hmm. is we don't know what classes are going to be coming down in down the pipeline in the future. Right. Sure. One year, two years, three years from now, there might be a class that like suddenly, uh, I don't know that the detonating spell would have been perfect for that class. 
there was no way for us to know that class existed right now when we made this book. So right. yeah, maybe that class can take that detonating spell as well. Sure. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, is there anything else in the nightly training section you wanted to point out? There's a lot of cool things in here, but if we go through all of it, we'll be here till midnight. I think I'm good. I think I can look at some equipment now. <gasps> is that what's next? Yes. Equipment. You get two pages of just some smatterings of things like weapons, armor, um, random gear. So like if you need your standard for your night to carry around to, to represent like I'm here with this group, we're good with that. You know, mm -hmm. you, you have some of that. You have a war saddle uh, so you can stay on um, the stay on your mount a lot easier. Um, yep. So there's a lot of little basics here. Um, but the two things I want to point out are the uh, the new weapon, the one of the new weapons, the bladed gauntlet, which is you know, hidden. Yes. <laughs> you know, I love those. Style weapon. So you're never left without a weapon, even if you drop your sword or whatever. Yes. They're light bulk. Uh, they have the freehand trait. These are one of my favorite things for uh, for like a fighter or something as like a backup weapon because you can you can use it with like for bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing. This is an omni damage weapon, right? Do whatever you want with it. You can uh, have the gauntlet or the blade retracted and just punch people, and then you can have it slide out and do piercing or slashing as you you know cut with it or stab them with it. Mm -hmm. And it calls out on the weapon description that this blade is like forever part of this gauntlet. Like it's it's the same weapon. You can't just use the blade on its own. So it's one rune for both things, which is very economical. I think it is a very cool weapon. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is the there, there's been a new category of items called adjustments, which are just like ways to modify existing items. There were some adjustments in the Grand Bazaar, like um, add to an armor and make it more reflective and you can shine light at people and stuff, different stuff. So the, the cool one here, yeah. Yeah, it, at least to me, is the throwing <laughs> shield. You you <laughs> attach some straps and special weightings to make it easier to throw and suddenly you can do a, your Captain America cosplay and deal a D6 bludgeoning damage when you throw your shield at people. Yeah, and you got your returning rune on there, which is only level three. So yeah, by level three, you can be doing full-on Captain America shenanigans, which is so cool. Yeah. Uh, and this makes that poss possible. One of my favorite things that's here, uh, actually, before I move on to that, there's also the other adjustment is parade armor, which I also think is cool. One mm -hmm. of my favorite things to do, especially with uh, characters that are very dedicated to a specific deity or organization, is I loved in first edition to get parade armor, which is like, oh, if I'm already buying armor of a certain level and it matches the parade armor, um, like uh, stats and values I'm looking for, I'll just buy parade armor. It's a little more, but it's like cool looking armor. Well, now because it's an add-on, any armor can be parade armor, which is so cool. It's just armor that is like, hey, it's very decorative and uh, it helps you with non-combat function. And so it's like, hey, I'm a very cool member of this organization. Gives you a plus yeah. one item bonus to diplomacy and intimidate checks against creatures of the same affiliation, yada, yada, yada. But it's just so cool. Yeah, and the, the fun thing about adjustments is you can always take them off, right? So you can decide, right. I'm going to go into battle. I actually don't need it to look fancy. Let's <laughs> turn it back to normal armor and then... Yes, you going. do. What if there's a photographer around? You always need it to look That's fancy. That's true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> a traveling artist artists. comes by and says, hold on, let me paint Painting this. battle. <laughs> I want to make sure that you're wearing the cool armor. It does add one bulk to the armor because you've got like extra doodads and bits sticking off mm -hmm. and things like making it big and bulky and cool but still it's so neat <laughs> so it's just a lot of fun little basics uh for uh nights we're always looking to add extra little bits of gear i'm sure 
Dustin in chat can say, yes, adding more gear is always fun. Yeah. So Dustin was asking, what is like no armor parade armor look like? It's just nothing. It is medium or heavy only, which might take a little bit. I don't know. If I was the GM, I would let you use it on light armor because even explorer's clothing, right? It could be Mm. like uh, explorer's clothing could be very rugged vestments for a specific deity or something like that. If you were a devout of Nethys, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm a cleric of Nethys, but also a wizard or something like that. And you want like super cool Nethys perfect robes that are like half black and half white and they're super neat and they have like ridiculous World of Warcraft shoulders uh, and all this stuff. Like, I don't know, I'd let you do it. I'm like, sure, apply parade armor to it. Uh, Even though it says medium or heavy, that's cool. I'd let you do it, but I think it's really neat. Sure. That extra one bulk might hurt you if you're using light armor though. (laughs) You're like, wait, I'm I'm a dex character. I don't have high strength. I can't the wizard do this. can't take all the extra armor. <laughs> Too heavy. <laughs> Shane Wolf says my shoulder pads poke me in the eye when I put my arms up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I want that kind of armor. The most extra. But the other thing uh that I'm also happy to see it come back is the armored coat. Uh and I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna flash it on the screen. If you are joining us live for the Twitch video, you'll see it. Uh there on the right. It is the the big sort of trench coat with little like plates of, of metal in there giving you some armor. It is interesting in that this is a plus two armor bonus, plus two dex cap, right? So it is light armor, kind of protects a little bit like medium, uh, but it's only a plus four overall. And I think a lot of the other armor is plus five overall, unless I'm just high on something. I think someone asked me about that, and I'm definitely going to be looking into what the, the proper values are. But yes, it's... It's meant to be as competitive as any of the other. Is it? Okay, because I wasn't sure. I know that. In, in I mean, in theory, edition, we, we want yeah. everything to be on equal footing, right? Just give yes. you different options and, and play styles. So. Okay, because I know in, in first edition, one of the arguments is, well, it's super easy to put on in one action. But I'm like, when does it ever come up in game? Like sometimes, mm-hmm. but not all the time. It, well, it doesn't now, seem like it's uh, worth a plus one trade. Armors in, in 2E also have a lot of extra knobs that you can fiddle with for the, for the balance purpose, you know, True. increase its strength or the bulk or whatever. So, um, yeah, there, there are ways to make this all work. Well, and it's also comfort and flexible. So if you're playing an Outlaws of Alchemstar game, uh, you might want to look into this armored coat just so you have like that cool, awesome duster look. Uh, but, you know, armored and it's comfortable mm-hmm. so you can take a nap under a tree with your, you know, Stetson on your face wearing this armor and not have to worry about putting it on if you're suddenly attacked. Very cool. Other cool shout out gear, portable altar, great for very religious characters. Um, there is a tabard so you can really show off your affiliation. Uh, it's just, I don't know, there's some very cool stuff. Uh, the war saddle, what does the war saddle do? Someone asked earlier and I apologize, I can't recall who had asked this. It might've been Jaina B about uh, mounted character options. I didn't see a ton of those other than this war saddle. Well, there's also the, the Cavalier options, so technically sure. supporting an archetype. There, there isn't too much. Um, there's also a, a new lance in here, so if you're into lances, that's perfect for mounted combat. Yeah, but Thor saddle makes it so um, if you fall unconscious, you, you stay in your saddle. That You have gotcha. to use it's, it's specific interact actions to remove yourself. Uh, so it's pretty good for uh, staying up on your horse and hopefully escaping in situations where you've fallen unconscious while on your horse. That sounds very useful. If you're a mounted type character, I think you definitely want to buy a war saddle. It's a level five mm-hmm. item, only 50 gold. You should definitely buy this. Yeah. Um, that, that's like almost turning into one of those must-haves, you know, yeah. for mounted characters. Or if you're riding your idol on or something, who knows? Mm-hmm. 
Very cool. Uh, going into the next page, we have some new magic items. The very first one listed, I, I have a question about. Sure. I'm going to show our audience. You'll see a picture there on the left. This is called the Armor of the Holy Warrior. And it's described as based on armors used by the Holy Warrior. Now, based on. So it's not like, hey, this is ancient armor and we polished yeah. it, right? But okay. But based on armors used by the Holy Warriors who served under General Arneson in the Shining Crusade. Okay. This is like way back when Tarbafon was first running amok. And mm-hmm. they they were able to like fight him and contain him in, uh, in Galaspire. So it's based on those armors. The art is very cool. I like it. But it has the Iomide crest on it of the long sure. sword with the sunburst behind it. Yeah. But she wasn't a god at that point. So yeah. how do you reconcile those things? Well, because this is the modern version of this is how the armor was shaped when, okay. when General Arneson was using it. But we this is our take on it now. Right. It was based on the armor, but that, that armor wouldn't have had it would probably had a symbol of Aridin, if anything. Um, but I imagine like the shape of the, the armor and things like that were or be things that were used to base this armor on, right? And probably some of the magic as well. But you, know, you can base, um, I don't know, a, a new car model off of like old stuff from cars, but then it has all the new fancy doodads and stuff. Gotcha. So this is the, the new fancy doodad is a new religious symbol on the front. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm just making sure. Because <laughs> uh, I saw it and I was like, I, I, I suppose it's based on, it's like it's the ancient style of armor. So you're wearing it and it's like wearing ancient fashions. It's like, why are mm-hmm. you wearing this ancient stuff? Well, I respect the past. Okay. okay. All right. Sure. Okay. It's, it's like wearing a, a, it's a, a Victorian fish. outfit, but still having like cool new oh hairstyles. Are they Galarian cosplayers? Is that what it is? Yeah, like, cosplay is totally a thing I'd say in Galarian. <laughs> I'm cosplaying a knight of the original Shining Crusade. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So we have a question uh, from chat from uh, Hyena Spots saying, no one cares about some silly armor. Tell us more about the horseshoe. Uh, there is a horseshoe on the right side of this page. It is mm-hmm. very cool. It is called the campaign stable. It's not a stable. It's a horseshoe. Guess what? It's a stable. It's a structure. It's so cool. Okay. All right. Pathfinder uh, first edition fans, do you remember the campfire bead that you could put in the ground and it's a campfire with heat and light and everything. And then you could like say command word and it turns back into a bead and you're like, cool. No one ever has to go and find wood again. It is that, but for your horses or whatever Mm -hmm. your exotic mounts might be. It is literally this horseshoe that you put on the ground and it unfolds itself magically into like this big stable uh, good enough for eight horses, or it can like reconfigure in different ways for different size creatures, but essentially the same amount of space. Uh, but yeah, it could just unfold and become a stable. So that way there's not this weird conversation of like, well, we all traveled on horses and, and then we've got them. And then if we're at, where do we put them? And then it's going to be cold and they're supposed to be right. You know what? Just it's an eighth level item. By the time you are worried about all that stuff, you can probably just afford this with, you know, party gold or something. And it takes one minute and it just once per day, but that's all you need. And it unfolds and becomes big stable. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, what are some of your favorite things in this magic item section? Um, I am particularly fond for some reason. I'm particularly fond of camp shroud, which is like this powder that you throw into your, your campfire when you're camped out for, for the night. Mm-hmm. And it 
covers everything in like a mist misty smoke thing and anyone who is outside of this area can't see the light of your campfire so you use this to hide from from people while you're out in dangerous areas and you can make um bigger shrouds uh, ones that have tougher dcs to notice you and stuff um depending on how much you're willing to pay for this stuff and this is also a a fun little story about development is uh camp shroud was originally a spell for this book and it didn't fit in the spell section and (laughs) i decided well i want to keep this somehow and then you know what i need more stuff to fill in space in the magic item section so i cleaned it up a little bit tweaked the the wording a bit and gave it uh, a few different things and suddenly it became an item that anyone can use so suddenly it opened up from like oh only the wizards could use this to anyone can buy this stuff and use it and it makes i think uh, a lot of sense that way where like you might be a group of knights that don't have any spellcasters with you but you still want something like camp shad you don't have to rely on a caster to cast that for you you can just buy it for yourself and, and take it with you one interesting thing is it is just an illusion consumable rather than like an alchemical one. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're an alchemist, you can't just make one every day, which would have been cool. But uh, I kind of I kind of get it. And also the minor one is only 15 gold. So if you imagine that you're going deep into enemy territory and need several of these, maybe I'll just buy a few of the minor ones. Yeah. The big ones just make, yeah, like you said, the emanation bigger. So yeah. if you're going along with a big... big yeah, if you're going along with a big company, you're probably putting a lot of resources into this, you know, secret mission. So you're bringing along your campaign stable and a bunch of, you know, these uh, maybe moderate size ones that do a 20 foot emanation. So you can try and cover most or all of the campaign stable. So yeah, that makes some sense. And what- um, the the other thing I like is the, the called rune. You just yes. slap this rune on something and whenever you want it, you be like, I need my, my sword. And if it's within 100 feet of you, you can just... You can do the the, the Star Thor. Wars or Thor yeah. pull the pull your weapon to you. <laughs> hold, hold your hand out and be like, "All right, wait for it. Just give me a minute. Hold on. There it is. Ha There you go. So it's it's a good ruin, and in fact, it's common. So anyone can make use of that. You don't even have to be a knight of last water to have fun with it. That is cool. Yeah, the called rune is definitely something that is is super handy. Uh, if especially like. If you want a thrown weapon, but you don't use it, I don't know. I get called is just so cool. You can pull the trick where it's like, my sword is over there in my pack. Don't worry. I'm not going to do it. Just kidding. <laughs> I think it's just a lot of times that kind of stuff happens in, in stories. Yeah. So we got to have it, right? You got to have it. It's very cool. Um, Jeez, all the different things. Anointing oil, banner of the restful. There's just so many cool things. I think in the here. other big thing a lot of people latched onto was the ghost oil. Oh, yes. That is something I definitely wanted to bring up. Let's talk about ghost oil. So it's over mm-hmm. there on the left. It's a little green bottle uh, with some stuff in it. And we had a ghost oil in first edition that was like, eh, gives you ghost touch on your weapon for a little bit of time. Eh. What I really like is in second edition, you went a step further, right? Mm-hmm. In that it does that. Uh, that's basically what it does, right? You rub it on your own weapon and boom, you have ghost touch. But it turns it's, into it, a ghost weapon. It's a ghost weapon. It can no longer affect corporeal creatures, mm-hmm. which is just so cool. Like, I I mean, I don't know how often you're fighting like a ghost and a not a ghost at the same time, but just the idea that like you pour this on your own weapon and it just turns all like spooky and ghostly and you're like, ooh, yeah. ghost blade is just, it's just the coolest. 
if I had a character with it, I would probably make it and do it just to show it off and be like, Haha, go, look, I'm going to stab you. Oh, it doesn't do anything. Oh, wait, it's been almost a minute. Hold on. Let me not stab you anymore. Uh, great for possessed characters, Gina B says. Ooh, I did not think of that. Maybe. I don't know exactly you... how that interacts off the top of my head. Wow. Yeah, I would you... allow it as a GM. I'm not saying that's the official ruling, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm good yeah. for that. I would 100% allow that. Can you imagine that? Like, you're like, we think the bard is possessed. Mm -hmm. She hasn't tried to seduce anyone in the last couple hours. And that <laughs> seems a little, you know what? I'm just going to put this surreptitiously on a dagger and just like stab her in the back and see what happens and, and see if she like screams or not. Ah! Oh, yep. Nope. There's a ghost in there. <laughs> we got a ghost. That's so cool. Ghost oil is one of my favorite things in here. Uh, you've got a swift mount saddle, so you can saddle up as a free action once a day. Um, why once a day, I wonder? Level 7 item once a day, it does save you from, from mounting a creature. Uh, it saves you an action. But it's not an action I imagine would be useful all the time. Is it because of the bonus on nature checks? or? Yeah, part of it is it already has okay. a bonus. But the other thing is, like, usually you are intentionally getting on your mount in a safe situation, right? Right. If, if you're in a spot where you need to get onto them, onto your mount, like sure. instantly more than once per day, then you're probably in a tough situation. So probably can make do with it once uh, in a in a day or so. All right, cool. Another one that's, I think, a good call out is the Whistle of Calling, which if you have ever played any video game ever, uh, where you get to <laughs> summon your mount to you because who wants to drag them along all the time and all of a sudden you're like, I need my mount. Uh, mm -hmm. You can use the whistle and they show up right by your side. Yeah. And then literally just does that it's so cool within mm. a mile within a mile poke out yeah. i choose you says dustin yeah seriously um it's just a very cool way of being like um i'm just gonna I just need my mount mm -hmm. if you're a massive character that is a must-have item it is level 15 though so it is a high level must-have item but as soon as you can get your hands on it and afford the 6300 gold pieces for it you should absolutely do that uh, GNB is asking if it works on animal companions. And it specifically says in the presence, you, you have to basically attune the whistle to a specific animal. And it right. says any any companion or other allied creature willing to be your mount. Just your animal companion probably is willing to be your mount. You probably aren't <laughs> going to be riding every animal companion you find, right? You're not going to ride your owl animal companion right. um but you it, it'd probably be like yeah i guess i could do that to make this work <laughs> uh, and all it does is it teleports to you it doesn't necessarily say it teleports to you and then you're instantly writing it's just like oh yeah you have it ready to go um, somewhere within so, 30 feet yeah 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 that's cool uh other cool things uh, uh very knightly things knight captain's lance guardian mm -hmm. shield very knightly looking things in here a shining shield Ooh, that sounds that sounds useful the guardian shield has the symbol of Kazutal on it, the Arcadian <laughs> goddess of community in battle. Um, if you go check out the other chapters of the book, you'll understand why Kazutal is being featured here. She's one of the many gods that are uh, worshipped among the, the Knights of Last Wall. Interesting. Gosh, I wish we could talk about other parts of the book, but there are a lot of really cool <laughs> things here. Uh, all these player options are so freaking cool. Uh, one there's a the... set of player options here. Oh, my God. oh, we talked about that um, undead assassin earlier, and there's a weapon mm -hmm. just for them. So there's the undead scourge, which is a plus one striking disrupting dagger. And I usually can't mm -hmm. get disrupting on non bludgeoning weapons, uh, but this one has it. Bluish white metal blade with a faint glow. It's just very cool. Um, 
Yeah, once per hour, you can disrupt their connection with negative energy so they can't be healed by it anymore. What? Yeah. That is so cool. Especially you have those like, I don't know, those ghoul jerks who are like summoning or, or channeling negative energy. They're doing like the three action uh, harm and they're like, hey, can I just healed myself again and I hurt you? Ha ha. And you're like, you know what? Stop that. <laughs> just <laughs> stick them with it. Very cool. Um, there's a bunch of new. Oh, did you want to talk about any other items before we move on? There's a lot uh, of cool I think stuff. We covered here. all the ones that I'm excited about. Not that I don't like the other oh, ones. Oh, wow. Just really, okay. Just really oh. into Camp Shot for some reason. I think I like the story about how I got moved around. <laughs> no, that's a that's an amazing story. I actually really like that because I could see that as a spell as well. It makes sense as a spell, mm -hmm. but it also makes a lot of sense as a as a consumable item that you just throw in the campfire. Uh, so let's move on to the spell section. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, once again, awesome art. Uh, I have come so much to expect awesome art from y'all. You always get such good art from, out of your artists that like, eh, whatever, it's awesome art. No one cares. No, I do. It's uh, very cool. The last wall mage, the, the halfling mage there, yes. is uh, art that was featured in the character guide. We try to do little Easter eggs and connections like that. Is some of the art that you saw previously gets to come back. I thought it looked familiar, but I wasn't going to call you out on it, so that's yeah. fine. Uh <laughs> Um, so some new uh, new spells in here, some mm -hmm. of which, I don't know, are pretty cool. There's yeah. some usable ones for some of the sneaky stuff those Crimson Reclaimers might be doing, like Erase Trail, um, where you just get rid of one creature's passage from an area, which is kind of cool. They can't follow you. Uh, um, I really like the Dancing Shield spell. Um, <laughs> you cast it on someone else's shield, and whenever you sustain the spell, it automatically does the Race Shield action for them. Oh, that um, is cool. So you can keep them safe. And then if you cast the heighten the fourth level version of it, you can even use your reaction to shield block on their behalf and, and protect them with their own shield. Okay, now that is cool. Especially uh, folks who like that sort of shield other type build where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I'll take some of the damage or whatever. And like, uh, it's like, okay, you can really have your frontliner literally freeing up uh, their action economy to do things like attacks of opportunity or... Um, if you're a champion, you can you can intervene and prevent damage. Like you can do all that stuff and not worry about your shield block reaction because your spellcasters got it. They'll just yeah. oh, I got you. Dancing shield is on all four uh, traditions, so anyone can do it that. Is. You don't have to worry about like oh, only the cleric can do that. Like nah, if you want your I don't know your bard to sing a song and keep your shield to protect you, go for it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, Gen C Defense says, I have a mighty need. Yeah. <laughs> Dancing Shield is so cool. It is uncommon, however, so you'll have to check with your GM before you or get it. Or if, if you join the Knights of Last Wall, it becomes available what? to you. Or join the Knights of Last Wall. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that is a very cool spell because uh, I really like those sort of like hyper support characters um, mm -hmm. that let someone else with just some uh, uh, terrorizing melee build just go ham on stuff. So uh, this is a cool way to do that. If you, if you want some more support, yeah. specifically for shields, uh, the next spell on the list, Desperate Repair. Mm. Uh, as a reaction, when someone's shield within 60 feet would be destroyed, you can spend the, this reaction and cast a spell and keep that shield going at, at one hit point and keep it together. That is awesome because there's so many times you've got like an expensive shield right you have like a you know sturdy shield or something like that it's a magical shield it's really cool and you're like it's, it's it's a good shield it should survive a couple hits and then you get hit by this really big attack and you're like look i will die if i don't use my shield block so i'm gonna do that but my shield's gonna gonna lose it and can you imagine just 
mm-hmm. coming out of the gate is uh, looks like arcane or primal, right? So you're like the wizard of the party, and you're like, no, 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 I got gotcha. you, desperate repair. <laughs> you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, one hit point left. <laughs> you're still okay. So cool. I like that one a lot. Um, one of them is forced mercy. Uh, mm-hmm. you, it, which you use against another creature, and you soften the target's blows, ensuring they avoid vital areas and cause no lasting harm. All uh, damage to living creatures becomes non-lethal, and persistent bleed uh, dealt by the target is reduced to zero. That is cool. Um, I actually like this not just for a, hey, we're in the middle of like a fight where they're trying to murder us, but for that situation. It's only level one, right? So you can prepare a couple of them and be like, okay, you two want to duel and you want to like go all out and like maybe you don't all have merciful weapons or you know ways to deal non-lethal damage you can just say okay well in this bout everyone gets force mercy on them boom um and you can if you're willing you can even choose to critically fail so you get the full duration of uh, the effect so uh yeah and critical failure is a whole minute yeah pretty easy way to you know go in and do that non-lethal stuff if you want to just subdue someone Yeah, the heightened version at level four increases the range to 100 feet and you can target up to eight creatures. That is like 100% perfect for an arena type situation where your gladiators are going to go out there and do stuff. And uh, or or in the Knights of Last Wall, uh, you're training people, right? You're like, okay, so we're going to have all of these squires go out into a grand melee and we want to make sure that we're not losing important knights on the battlefield, but we still want you to have this this um experience fighting in a big melee so that you can be prepared for battle and you force mercy on everyone just to make sure yeah. so. uh, another spell i like is the sign of conviction uh this is just uh, a way for divine characters to blast you create a, a sign of a magical religious symbol uh it gives you some bonus to ac you're stuck in place but then you become like the artillery Every mm-hmm. time you sustain a spell, you blast uh, someone w- within 100 feet with energy uh, and then just keep doing it and just keep blowing people up. <laughs> lock in, be like unleashing Iomade's might and just, Jeez. you know, being the artillery and blowing every zombie up that's coming towards you. Wait, sustained for up to a minute? Mm-hmm. Okay, that is pretty cool. Yeah, and it specifically says you can sustain a spell multiple times within the same round, so you can shoot multiple blasts. If you just want to stay in place and just shoot three blasts every round for a whole minute, you can be the divine divine rail cannon. <laughs> the divine machine gunner. You're like, here's my sign of conviction, and now I'm just like, at everyone. Yep. Oh, that is so cool. Okay. Um that might be one of my new favorite divine spells. It is divine only, of course, because because of the flavor of the spell. But oh my gosh, that is so cool. You worship a good deity. The spell gains the good and light traits. Ooh, it's, it's bright. Um, deals your choice of either fire or good damage. Hey, Sean, that's good for your for your uh, uh, demon killing game. You can mm-hmm. just stand there and machine gun down demons. That is and, and evil, evil spells. You can dark darkness. Evil and and darkness. Old. Yeah. <sighs> Oh my goodness. Shan, you need this. You need the spell for your demon slaying campaign. That is so cool. Uh, mm, 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 I love it. Uh, if you worship a neutral dignity, the spell gains the force trait and deals force damage. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. I think it's just a really fun blasting spell. <laughs> and it can be heightened every two levels. So three, five, seven, and nine. That is so cool. Ah. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, oh. I just spotted one that I immediately love. It's fourth level. 
It's divine and primal, and it does a 120-foot line, and it is called Radiant Beam. Mm -hmm. If you want that Macross cannon of light (laughs) that you can just blast out and be like (laughs) super holy Hadouken, uh, you can certainly do so. You fire a beam of blinding light from your outstretched hands, dealing 5d10 good damage. And possibly dazzling. And possibly dazzling. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow, this is... Oh my gosh, if it passes through an area of darkness or magical darkness, uh, it attempts to counteract it. Because, I mean, it would anyway, it has the light uh, trait, but still, <gasps> that is so cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I am excited about Radiant League Beam. League of Legends, that's the, the Lux ultimate. She shoots a big beam of light. Yep. This is really cool. Yeah, Ooh. there's just a lot of fun stuff in here. I see a reaction spell, Martyr's in- uh, Intervention. Mm-hmm. <gasps> A creature within range would take damage that reduces it to zero. And you what, you take the damage? Target is reduced yeah. to one hit point instead of zero. All remaining damage that was prevented is instead dealt to you. Yep, perfect. Great. You don't wanna you don't want your main person uh, to go down. You have one to save their shield and another one to save them. Mm-hmm. Uh of course the martyr's intervention is divine occult and primal, and desperate repair is arcane and primal. So the only way to get both is to be a primal spellcaster. <laughs> but so you still be the, the savior druid. Save your druid. No, Sir Knight, I will keep you alive. I guess you could have a cool sorcerer bloodline, the Fey sorcerer that I guess decides <laughs> I'm going to screw around with people by being like, haha, you thought you killed my buddy, but he's still you didn't, at one point. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds funny. Or just really doesn't like gremlins. Gremlins keep breaking stuff and killing people, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to stand for it. Uh, that is so cool. That is so cool. One other spell I really like, yeah. which is just like so simple, but works really well, but particularly if you have a couple of different frontliners, the synchronized steps, you cast it on two different people. Okay. And there's a link between them. Whenever one of them steps, the other one can use a reaction to step. Or if another one strides, the other one can use a reaction to strike. So you can just like make oh. them stay alongside each other as they move around the battlefield. Do they have to stay adjacent? No. The other can use reaction. Okay, so if you had like two next to each other and the enemy comes up to them, you could be like, hey, they I'm going to use synchronized step. And, and they yeah. could like, yeah, step and flank. Yeah, absolutely. That is the so The only thing that cool. matters is that they're close enough when you first cast it. Which is 30 feet. So yeah, you're all in like a, a close distance. <gasps> yeah. but, that is so cool. But when you heighten it, you can do that with up to 10 people. You can have the entire party just moving in tandem. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. So, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, it uses your action, you only get one a turn. But at fifth level, 60-foot range, target up to 10 willing creatures, which is like literally all the party and all of their animal companions and all of their Eidolons and all of their everything. Yeah, the entire and, group. And one person is like, uh, and I'm going to step here. And everyone's like, cool, we all use a reaction. We all step and like shifts around the battlefield. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, that's the fifth level version, but it's also. But the first level version is still pretty great, too. It's just two willing two creatures. people. Yeah. yeah, you get your fighter and rogue or whoever like up at the front line, you know, in melee investigator in a champion doesn't matter. And you're like, hey, y'all want flanking like forever? Cool. Cast it first round. It's sustained up to a minute. Um, So every round I just keep it up. And that way, as soon as whoever goes first takes a step into flanking position, the other person can yeah. make sure they get there. <gasps> Gina B yes. says that's perfect for a wand. And I honestly didn't even realize how perfect it is for such, such a thing. Yes, it's absolutely perfect for a wand. It is uh, absolutely like, perfect. The only thing is, you know, you only have so many reactions and the caster has to keep sustaining it. But I think it's well worth it to use your third action to keep that going. Yeah. Again, that like hyper supportive caster build, this would be just 
just gold for it. That one's arcane and occult. So your super supportive primal druid uh, or or sorcerer with a a primal bloodline can't do it. But mm-hmm. but that's okay. I like, can't. That's do the three. fun thing is that like everyone can find their way to do supportive stuff. No, I like it actually. I like it that it's not like one one type one of magic does all these things. Yeah. yeah. This is so cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's the end of our chapter because that's it. We're blending yeah. into the other stuff. Um, that is so cool. Jana B says trick magic item. Oh my gosh, that's funny. You could be the uh, eldritch trickster type of rogue and <laughs> make sure you always get a flank. You know what? I'm going to cast this on you. And as soon as you move, I can also move. <laughs> it's pretty funny. All right. Um, is there that's... anything else you want to point out before we're done with the, the, the preview? um no i think that's that's about it i mean that's only about 20 pages but it feels like they're super packed with a lot of stuff (laughs) right um and the only thing i'll say is that's not necessarily technically all the rules mechanics stuff that's available in this book it's just chapter Uh, three right yeah chapter three is the obvious stuff but there's also other things like there are new deities in the book uh in the previous chapter um so it that gets you mechanical stuff there's some new pantheons in there uh so there's a few <laughs> little things here and there throughout the book that also count as mechanical options which are you know things you'll just have to discover on your own when you get the book okay uh cool. is asking how big is the book the book is 128 yeah. pages long so i think technically this chapter is the second smallest chapter after the introduction so there's just <laughs> a lot of lore and cool information on what you need to play your knight if you want to know what you need to join up with the knights of last fall or one of the specific factions or where you might hold a campaign that has a lot of knights of last wall running around mm-hmm. then you know there's a lot of other information for that kind of stuff but even if you're just here for some cool items and other options i think we got plenty to offer yes i think we do all right, well, let's do, we still have some news to look at, and we have uh, a word from our sponsor that we need to talk about. Um, actually, let me set this up. So we're looking at me and not that. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go find out about some cobalt plushies. Ah, look at this guy. He's so cute. Uh, cobalts are clever and mischievous, but have you ever thought of them as cuddly? Well, you will after you support the Gallant Goblins Cobalt Plushies. They're already here on Kickstarter and already funded with a ton of color and class combos with swappable accessories and clothing to create your perfect little adventuring party. Uh, so you should sign up today at koboldplush.com to get a free digital bonus one shot when you back the project. That's koboldplush.com. I love these things. They're so cute. This is Rory, <laughs> uh, who's our little spellcaster, and he has this, like silvery cape. I think it's a sorcerer uh, because at least my Rory is because he's very flashy. So mm-hmm. high charisma is very like yes, do the things, um, and he likes fire. So very cool. I think they're freaking adorable. This is already um, this Kickstarter has already been uh, fully funded and a lot in addition to that. Yes, thank you, uh, Kitsune Warlock, for the. The link. Appreciate it, Dustin. Um, but they're already up to 36,000 of their 4,000 goal, which means tons and tons of uh, stretch goals. So go check that out. Um, very cool. All right. You ready for what news, right? Yeah. <gasps> oh, there's a couple big ones. Mm-hmm. Pathfinder news. Pathfinder news. Pathfinder news. Pathfinder news. <laughs> 
right, so we got some big news this uh, this week. I want to just go out there. One of the biggest ones. I'm 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 missing my file. I have a bunch of files. There are so many open right now. Um, here we go. One of the biggest ones is Sarah Robinson, uh, art director, is leaving Paizo, and May thirteenth mm-hmm. is her last day. What? Yes. Yes. Something I only learned this morning. Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's been uh, based on what Sarah said on uh, Facebook and and mm-hmm. the meeting this morning that explains it that. Yeah. Uh, she's got new opportunities to look forward to in the future. So I'm, I'm excited for her to be doing some cool stuff. I've yeah. worked with Sarah directly in a lot of different cases. And I think Sarah is really the one that you can thank for a lot of the cool cover art for Lost Omens books. Mm-hmm. I think she's the one that found Katarina Burmack, the artist who's been doing most of those. So oh, very good. good stuff. And I'm, I'm wishing her the best. Yeah, there's some pretty big shoes to fill there because Sarah's been with Paizo for I don't know how long, forever. Two thousand and four, I think. Two thousand and four. Wow. Um close to so, twenty years. Yeah, close to twenty years. Wow, geez, eighteen years. Um in like I don't know, Pathfinder always looks so good and mm-hmm. in no small part because of the art direction, uh leading the charge and making sure these products are in tip top shape. Uh, and and doing a lot of those art orders and stuff for all of the fantastic characters and things that you see. So, yeah, uh, huge shout out to to Sarah Robinson and all of the good work that she has done over these past almost twenty years. And I, you know, I wish her well. I I hope that she goes on to wonderful big things. And I'm also curious to see um, who is going to step into that position and what sort of things that they'll bring to the Pathfinder and Starfinder brands. Mm-hmm. So. That's pretty cool. I don't know. There's much more to say about that one. It's just that is the big shocking news of the day. So very interesting. Um, other news. Um, well, the subscriptions and stuff, all, all of the April releases happened last week, which included uh-huh. the first virtual tabletop fa- yes. first, uh, module for <laughs> Foundry uh, in the Adventure Path line. You know, yep. Very first volume of Outlaws of Alchemy Stars now punks available on Foundry. Yeah, punk, Punks in a Powder Keg, uh, written by yours truly. It is so cool. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people are like, is it weird to see? I'm like, no, it's super cool. As, a, mm-hmm. as, a, as an adventure author, uh, like we were talking about this before the show, as an adventure author, it's like one thing to write something in, you know, an MS Word document and send it off to your developer. And then, you know, six months to a year later, all of a sudden it's in a book and you're like, hey, hey, I wrote that. That's cool. It is like 10 times cooler somehow to see it laid out, <laughs> not just like ready to play, right? Because that's cool. You're like, oh, crap, this is like ready to just just run right now. And because I know the adventure so well, I could literally just run this uh, right now because I have it. Uh, but it's it's such a high quality. Like as I'm going through it, hundreds and hundreds of hours must have been put into this thing because as you go through, it's not like, oh, well, you know, it saves you time prepping it. No, no, no. It saves you like time prepping it plus all of the extra stuff that you may or may not have done. And even if you did some of the stuff, like you're like, well, I thought it was cool. I put in sound effects. Okay. But maybe you didn't do the lighting or you did the lighting without the sound effects or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's got all of it. It is such high quality. It is so cool. Uh, I've been hanging out um, in the Discord. So the the Pathfinder 2nd Edition has its own foundry because there's such a big community. And there is a thread specifically about Outlaws of Alkenstar. So if you are going to run Outlaws of Alkenstar using Foundry, I would highly suggest getting this module. It will save you so much time. Mm-hmm. If you already have the PDF, it will literally cost you $7 to get the yep. Foundry module. If not, you can drop the what, 25 bucks 
that the module costs normally and then get the PDF as part of that. So. Right. Yes. Either way, good deal. And then um, if you want advice on like, hey, I couldn't get this part to work or I wasn't sure about this or uh, whatnot, you can drop into that thread. And there's a bunch of other people who uh, are running it, as well as some of the folks who made it in the thread, sort of monitoring things and answering questions. Um, mm -hmm. It is a fantastically supportive community. And I, I am thrilled that this product exists. I cannot say enough good things about it. Whew. So excited. Hyena Spot says, very excited to see Alkenstar when we start playing next week. Yes, I hope you have a fantastic game. Uh, if you're playing on Foundry with this, it, it is so pretty. It is so cool. Um, That is cool. They're going to do the whole thing. Uh, next month, they're going to do uh, the Abomination Vaults. Yes. Which is awesome. So uh, you get two months in a row of seeing your adventures. <laughs> Foundry. Well, I'm actually running Abomination Vaults for some friends, uh, including the network's own Ryan Costello. Mm -hmm. And uh and I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over to it. As soon as it's out, I am buying it and I am just gonna move everyone's characters and stuff over to the new uh to the new world with that module installed because mm -hmm. I if it is anywhere close to as well done as Outlaws of Alchemstar. Probably will be knowing those yeah. people. Like I don't mind prepping stuff, but often I'm one of those GMs who um, I've had so much time physically at the table where I just kind of open my big box of minis and pull something out and use a proxy and don't worry about it. Or like, hey, let's take five and I'll draw this map really quick on a blank flip map. Um, I'm a very last minute prep sort of GM. I'm not like a, a I printed everything out at, you know, the fancy printing store type of GM. So when it comes to virtual tabletops, I, I usually have some prep, but it's like, oh, yeah, we're playing tonight. I need tokens. Ah, crap. Uh, let me find some art, put it in token tool, make some tokens, do all the stuff. I am looking forward to not having that that labor to do anymore, right? Yeah. To just being able to be like, um, that's fine. That part of it's done. Like all of the little minutiae. I just reread the encounters and refresh my memory on what the party was doing, and I'm ready to go. So I think it's very cool. Uh, Polly, uh, Polly, oh, that is a clever name. Polyhedron. Clever, like Polly. Hey, Polly. Uh, says that they're the opposite type of GM. Uh, it's just for a week leading up to it, trying to make sure I've got it all down pat. You know, I used to be that kind of GM. And at a certain point, you realize that even when you mess up, the players 90% of the time don't realize it. If you just keep on rolling and then you turn into a GM disaster like me. It's like, I don't know, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I guess what says, you enter a room. Oh, I guess there's gremlins here. Cool. Let's see what happens. <laughs> That's fun. What kind of GM are you, Luis? I haven't played I one like of your games. So I like prepping because I don't like downtime mm. because of clerical work or, or prep or anything that could have been prevented in, by, by prepping. So there have been plenty of times where I used to run in person and it's like, oh, I have to draw this map. And then I just get frustrated having to spend the, the five minutes drawing the map when that's five minutes that we could have been playing. So once I started doing a lot of digital stuff, I was really excited to like have the maps ready and and everything ready to go and not lose that time to uh, drawing the map or finding the right stat block or whatever it was so i am just loving everything that keeps making that easier and easier for me and the the, the best thing is that once i do run in person again i i should have the setup where i can just still display stuff through like foundry at my table and be like here's the map that's the map you're going through and maybe even put it on like table itself and just put your minis on it i'm not gonna draw that it's just ready to go right yeah no i i get that 
yeah, you have valuable time. You don't want to waste it. And I totally get that too. I, I am usually the type who wants to be that way and then gets too busy and forgets and the game's in 20 minutes. And uh, let me draw this map really fast. Um, so I really appreciate having that work already done for me. So I can just spend that 20 minutes instead, just reviewing the, the encounters and things and making sure that I can run a really good game and don't have to worry about, like you were saying all the time it takes to draw maps and all that stuff. So a couple other pieces of news. Um, we've got the announcement for the Starfinder Pirates of Skydock board game coming out, which is yeah. pretty cool. Uh, coming out in August of this year. That's it. That's all I have to say about it. There's a whole yeah. blog article about it. Uh, it looks I'm like sure. lots of the the beyond team can talk about it yeah well we'll go into it more there um i just thought i should mention it because that's that's pretty cool i'm really glad that um that paizo products are getting more treatments outside of the tabletop gaming sphere mm -hmm. that's encouraging another big thing for pathfinder is the pathfinder terrain for abomination vaults is coming uh from archon studios that is that is super it cool looks super fancy uh, we I, that's you know, one of the ways I might be like, well, if I'm running abomination bots, but I have this stuff, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's okay to do it in person and, and have this cool setup. Right. Yeah. If I was running this in person, I a hundred percent would want this. This is so cool. Um, one of the things I almost did when I was writing hands of the devil is, is I was trying to figure out heights and stuff and how things would fit together and how it would feel to be in the space. Mm -hmm. I almost, I um I didn't do it, but I almost created like a 3D environment of like you know basic textures and walls just to like be able to sort of move through the space, and and mm -hmm. see what that would be like. So, yeah. So the having the terrain like this is kind of like a close second for me of being able to, I don't know, put it together and feel like ooh this is this is what the abomination vault would look like. Uh, on some level, there's like the psychotic back of my brain me who's like you know you have foam cutting tools. And it's a big multi-layer dungeon. So you could probably make a giant 3D terrain out of the whole thing that was like modular. You could remove pieces of it and see it like a slice of pie. And then I think, Vanessa, what are you talking about? You have other things to do. <laughs> but that would still be cool. Gina B says, uh, I have modeled dungeons in Minecraft. That's a good idea, actually. Go into creator mode, no monsters, and just be like, I'm just going to put all... And, like, you already have everything is in squares, right? So you just... Everything's a five-foot square. Be cool. Any other news? Uh, nothing comes to mind for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking through, stuff. and I think those are the big ones. So... Pretty cool. We got uh, we got PaizoCon coming up, and I'm sure there will be far too much news coming out of that. So we will absolutely have a, a dedicated PaizoCon uh, episode once that is over to talk about all of the cool things mm -hmm. that have been released or mentioned or announced at PaizoCon. So look forward to that. All right. Uh, Wrap-ups and shout-outs? Let's do it. Wrap-ups and shout-outs. Wrap-ups and shout-outs. Wrap-ups! Wrap-ups and shout-outs! I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, my <laughs> shout-out uh, this time is to PF2 Tools, the PF2 Tools site, which has just got so many different things that I use all the time. Um, it, in particular, I like the um monster tool that lets you just quickly build a monster and it has like all the stats ready to go so you're like oh i need a level 15 monster to put it together and it's a real quick way to, to build the monster if i don't have to necessarily like 
dig into the the deep details of like oh this is actually going to be something that's getting published it's like oh, i just need a monster for my table for tonight or whatever it's a quick way to do it uh, and it has links to a lot of just really useful stuff um a lot of <laughs> basics and how to's it's just this kind of big landing page for a lot of great pf2 stuff uh which uh super cool and i've seen a lot of people make use of the, the scribe tool and the template tool to make a lot of cool homebrew out there yes. i think a lot of that is used on the, the pf2 creations mm -hmm. uh subreddit and stuff to like oh i made a new feat i'll make it look nice and pretty without having yes. to like actually go and buy publishing software or anything like that i can just hop in here plug in the details and then have a nice little thing i can screenshot and share with people so it's just got a lot of cool stuff going on with it and it has links to lots of other cool stuff you know fellow streams like arcane mark or, or um youtube channels for information so whatever you need you can probably use this if you're really in the pathfinder 2 you can maybe set this as your homepage and just kind of grab whatever you need at any time yeah i actually i love the monster builder um for the the role for combats um rpg superstar i use the monster builder extensively uh, mm -hmm. through the judging process is I would basically be like, oh, it's a level three monster. And I would just set things for level three with various, like, especially skills really easy because you can say, well, one's uh, low and one's moderate, one's high and one's extreme. And you can quickly see what the, how the values all stack up. And it was a really good way to do a sanity check on the values of the sub monster submissions. Um, it's also literally the thing I use when I am designing a creature for an adventure or a bestiary or something, because it does have a lot of those suggestions already there for me. Uh, and also I like to write it in their text boxes and then look at the formatted version as if I'm reading it for the first time to say, hey, does this does this make sense the way I'm reading, you know, reading it on there? Is everything in the right order? Is this how I want to present it? And then I can use that to, to rewrite or copy paste it into uh, my, my document I'm going to submit to my developer that I've already kind of done some of the sanity check already on it, that things should be in the right order and things should be the way they need to look at it. Um, also uh, reading things in like a different format or a different font helps your brain sort of reprocess it as new information. And so being able to write it in the one sections and then go see it fully formatted really helps you sort of analyze like, oh wait, I'm missing a speed, I never entered speed or something like that. And like make sure that you're checking off each of these things. And I, I find it invaluable, so yeah. Definitely check that out. PF2.tools. It's very cool. Uh, similarly, my shout out for today is uh, PathBuilder for uh, Pathfinder. It works in a Chrome web-based environment or on Android, not on iPhone, unfortunately. Uh, but PathBuilder is super useful. Um, if you're making a second edition character, uh, like this is basically just for making player characters. If you're making one, it it mostly accepts, there's a few places you can enter custom options, but generally speaking, uh, it will do all of the legal checks for you to say, okay, are you allowed to take this feat? Are you not allowed to take this feat? Um, and there's even like optional rules and stuff. There's third party stuff in there. Uh, like the role for combat dragon stuff is in there, which is cool. Um, and some other third party stuff is in there. It's, it's, it's a very cool tool. I use it these days to make most of my characters uh, you can also do it where you, like, if you want to do all the way to level 20, your whole character build, you can put that in there and then you set the level of your character. So you say, well, my character is second level and it goes, okay. And it sets all your stats there and doesn't give you the options you selected past second level yet until you, until you get there, but you can still sort of play around with your build and like, well, what am I going to take at third? And what does that look like? So that's really fun. 
They've also added some like digital rolling tools and some other stuff. So it's a little easier if you want to use it as a digital character sheet while you're playing in some other virtual tabletop that maybe doesn't support that properly, or you just find it easier to, to manage in Path Builder, you can do that. Lastly, it will sync with your Google Drive uh, stuff. Again, Android supported. So if you have uh, both the web version and the phone version, um, works on Windows as well too. Yeah, yeah, if you've got like Chrome or something. So if you've got both the, the web-based Chrome version and the phone version, you can save your characters you make to, uh, to your Google Drive and open them either place. So sometimes if I'm like, I don't know, at the doctor's office in the waiting room, just bored, I'm like, I'm gonna make a character. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make a champion and see what comes out and I can just fiddle with it. And then later, if I'm back on my computer, I can open the character and look at it in the full web display if I want. Cool. Yeah, and I've even used it for my writing here and there. Um, Ooh, really? I like the way I like to make NPC stat blocks, because even though I technically don't have to follow like the character creation rules for NPCs, because they, they, they use the same building methods as monsters, <laughs> I like to have like a foundation where it's like, okay, I'm going to yeah. figure out their, their ability boost that would, they would have gotten and you know where their, their stats would have been at this point, uh, what training they would have had and stuff mm. like that. And use that as like a very starting foundational thing. And Path Builder makes it super easy to be like, all right, uh, take these three skills and these boosts and, and these feats or whatever. And then you can export that as like a PDF. Um, and then I grab that as the starting point. And then of course, break the rules because they're monsters and give them extra sure. abilities and other stuff. But like making it so someone can look at it and at first glance be like, oh, this reads like a sorcerer. And obviously they have right. a cool ability, but it, on, at its core, it's a sorcerer because it has this stuff and look at its yes. ability scores and this and that. So it's it's always fun uh, to do that. Uh, Raising Rune Lords asks, anybody know when Kingmaker for PF2E starts shipping? Um, I don't think that book is quite been sent off to the printer just yet but i'm sure there will be announcements very soon on yeah I, last update i heard speculative update was probably like late 2022 um mm. it seems like it's it's also one of those things where as soon as it's sent off to the the printer it's based on global shipping problems so who knows when it shows up i'm um, sure there will be a a yeah. campaign update that says we've shipped it mm. off it's off to the printer Yes. Uh, so at the very least, you can look forward to that as soon as that's done. And it'll you'll know at least it's been sent off. So it's only a few months away. Fingers crossed. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see that out there in the world. Kingmaker is very cool. So it'll mm -hmm. be fun to see that for our second edition. Soon, Raising Rune Lord. Soon. Mm -hmm. uh, Numbat 18 says, it sounds like they're waiting for digital proof. And then say yes to the printing. Yeah, I think they're in those like final stages of getting this thing finished and sent and done, which is which is absolutely fantastic to have it finally in that in that phase. So. Yes. All right, cool. Well, that's the show for the day. Thank you so much for joining us in this uh, in this preview for Knights of Last Wall. There is so much cool stuff in here, not only for fantastic knights who want to reclaim their 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 country that got destroyed by a lich. Uh, but also just for anyone else who wants to pick up some of these very cool options. Yeah, I think the book comes out May 25th, just a few weeks away. I and know, around Pizacon. You might, you might get it in a few weeks if you're lucky. What? That's very cool. How, how, how uh, <laughs> Desna chooses who gets a book. That's right. <laughs> 
Fantastic. Well, I, I can't wait to uh, to see this thing, and I definitely want to use some of these. Uh, I, I want to make that super support caster now with a bunch of these <laughs> options. Either that or the, the divine blaster with, like, the big rays of light and stuff. That's very cool. So they have an update on the abomination vaults hardcover as polyhedron in chat yes that's also slated to come out at the same time as knights of last wall so yep. look Late forward May. to that now if you're waiting for the 5e version i think that's still a few months away but the 2e compilation will be ready to go quite soon hitting your shelves uh in mm -hmm. a few weeks right and i believe the I believe the uh, Foundry version of Abomination Vaults is based on the compilation, which does have a couple little fi fixes and tweaks, um, such as one of the things I, I heard a little birdie told me is that like uh, in James Jacobs' book and in my book, we both gave away a uh, either rare or uncommon piece of loot uh, that is like a very specific piece of loot. And it's the same in both books. And it's like, well, we don't need two of those. Um, so they've adjusted little things like that just to, to make sure that it's not like, wait, this rare thing we have a second one of come on uh so that's good but yeah there, there was a lot of little quality of life adjustments so i'm definitely going to be switching my home game to the new version once that's released mm -hmm. new rules for draining the lake gina b no rules i'm sorry they, they still <laughs> didn't make it in uh i have i have i think i've beaten up ron enough for that but that's fine everyone knows it exists and i'm sure uh you and other gms are definitely talented enough to figure out how that works so <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us on uh, New Direction to talk about the Knights of Last Wall preview. I'm Vanessa Hoskins. And I'm Luis Loza. And if you want to find the path, you need No Direction. <laughs>